I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey guys, welcome to And The Writer Is. I'm your host, Ross Golan. I've written with hundreds of artists and writers over the years, and my favorite part of each session is the first hour when we catch up about life, the industry, politics, composition, whatever. So this is a journey of learning why people write songs, how people write songs, and most importantly, who the people are who write the songs. I'm producing this with The Great Joe London, Big Deal Music Publishing, and Mega House Music Management. If you want to listen to the songs we discuss in this podcast... Follow us on our socials, find out about special live events, or buy that merch, a.k.a. that hat I always wear. Go to our website, www.andthewriteris.com. For a little bit of context, we just wanted you to know that a lot of these were recorded before quarantine. And as we know, a lot has changed in 2020. So again, please stay safe out there and enjoy the new episodes of And The Writer Is. Welcome to And The Writer Is. I am your host, Ross Golan. Today's legend in the making went from sleeping on friends' floors to landing tracks on the biggest artists of not just now, but of all time. Beyonce and Kanye, Pharrell and Beyonce, this guy wrote with Jeremiah Hur. Oh my gosh, wait, there's more. He's an artist too. This February, he released his debut with features like Timbaland, Ty Dolla Sign, and Pharrell. From New Jersey, this guy is effortlessly taking over the industry well. I don't know why I started rhyming his intro, but I was inspired while listening to Happy to Be Here. So here we go. And the writer is Aunt Clemens. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I can't tell you how amazing that is to hear that. I've dreamed of that like so many different ways. And that was amazing. Yep. Like I'm a huge fan of the pod, bro. Like huge 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 fan like when i was in la for the first couple times like like just coming out here i was only listening to the pod and it was giving me hope like the songwriters could actually really really do it it was like the charlie pooth one that you did and the babyface one i was like yo who is ross and how is he so plugged with everyone i want to work with <laughs> and man it's just mm-hmm. an honor to be here like i hate to be so cliche but i really am happy to be here no, that's amazing, man. You know, I, again, we, we've said this a million times on this thing, but we really genuinely thought this was just going to be conversations with friends in the industry. You know, it's like you meet people along the way and it's always so fun to get to meet people. Yeah. But now that it's it's just had its own life and, you know, it's the same thing as having an album that people listen to or something like that. You just don't, you, you go into it if you go into it for the right reasons, then you always get you know, that, back. Like I can, I'm completely in agreement with that. I just, I don't even know where I'm at as far as just people's perception all the time. Um, but I just love what I do. 
And I feel like if you just create from a place of where you love what you do, you're always going to be winning. You'll always be winning. So um, I want to have, like, I don't know if listen, the pressure of the listeners can't see, but you have a fire and the writer is hat on right now that I really want. I will get off brand and put the hat on. <laughs> That's how much I love the pretty- plot. Like, where can I buy? That feels like a... Listen, uh, you know, this is the first time you and I are meeting, yeah. so just let's just talk like uh, like it uh, is, you know. Uh, tell me about where you from? Willingboro, New Jersey. Um, I grew up where is that? in a small town in, in New Jersey. It's like probably about 10, 15 minutes away from Philly. And um, I've been doing music like in my head my whole life, but outwardly, uh, 2009 was like my first time really like stepping out and really trying to like do something with music. Um, around that time, my parents were going through a divorce and I didn't really have an outlet to talk about it. Um, I used my music as my tool to like kind of get through what I was going through at that time. And it, I found that I love to tell stories. I was like, Oh wow, I could tell my story. And I, through talking with friends and just reliving their experiences, I was able to take some of their stories and turn them into songs. And it just grew into something that that we're at today where I'm like talking with you. Um, yeah, it's a, it's really, really a blessing, like all of it. But it's just like, I still can't even believe that this guy from Willingboro, New Jersey is able to create and, and do this as a, as a full-time thing. You play music when you were little? Um, a little bit, but not really. I, I just used the vocal cords. Like <laughs> that was my instrument when people would ask, like, I could play piano a little by ear, and then throughout the years, I picked up the guitar, but not really. It was more just singing. But sure, I mean, I guess, like, what what kind of music were you listening to when you were... Growing up? A kid. The Clemens household was... You, you get anybody from Stevie Wonder to Michael Jackson. I'm a huge Michael Jackson fan. Like, huge Michael Jackson fan. So I grew up loving Mike. Um, I got into Prince a little later, but Prince was being played in the house um biggie like tupac like it, it was so diverse and we were rooted in the church so it's, it was just a lot of different gospel a lot of different hymns a lot of kurt franklin fred hammond um growing up on like those amazing soul soul sonics and just powerful lyrics that talked about how amazing jesus christ is um i'm a a christian and I literally give all of my credit to Jesus. Like God did all of this. So, um, yeah, I'm sorry. I think that answered the the house question. Great. When, you know, to find inspiration is hard for a lot of people. A lot of people will even ask, like, what do you write songs about? If you have a deep connection with anything, like, like let it roll. You know, I think that's important. Absolutely. Was the first songs were the first songs you wrote were they religious songs? Um, they were, they weren't, but they were relationship songs about relationships I would long for. Um, I was writing from a I'm a lover of love, so I love love, and that's a great thing and a detriment at the same time because sometimes I fall in love with the idea of love, and I was writing to the idea of love a lot from and like when I was just falling in love with trying to write I was writing to the idea of love and what I would want to experience and the blindness of what I believe love was um growing up watching sitcoms and seeing the Cosby show and saying okay I want to love like Claire and Cliff 
but I didn't know what that actually really took to, to get to a level of the parents of a household that are and and I, had, I didn't even realize at that time that that was just a television show. You know, it was like different things I had to learn experience wise uh, through the years. I found that the songs I fell in love with some were about the ideals of love, but a lot of the ones I connected with personally were people's experience of love um, in real time and reality and how to love someone and through their eyes, through whoever the artist is I'm listening to and their perspective of the perspective of it. Um, I always just wanted to write love songs and I feel like you can always find love throughout anything. So I think I started there and then just expanded the palette to, okay, well, if I can write about love, I can write about sad. If I can write about sad, I can write about uh, a shoelace like or whatever the, the topic is, as long as it can be connected to the person that we're trying to get the message to. Looking at TV families as, you know, the, the quintessential family, you know, it's, it's scripted. Yeah. There are people who, this is how to love and who knows what those writers are like at right. home. In, right. Um, <laughs> also in the same place where they're also writing these characters because they don't have it at home. Right. But my, not everybody who writes for, you know, these TV shows would necessarily have the life that they are portraying on TV. Right. And thing, but do you think you know what, what was missing in your life now that you're older? Um, I don't think it was anything that was missing. I think I was just looking at it the wrong way. I think the love that I was looking for was always there. It was just, uh, the the route I was trying to take wasn't the one that was for me. Um, what was that? Just trying to get the trying to get love through what I thought it was. So my ideals of love, and if it didn't look like this, then that must not be love. And I don't believe that that's what love is. Um, I don't think that I believe that in getting older is just people's experiences and their perspective shape who they are and that's okay. So although I grew up in a household with two parents looking at the Cosby show and all these different ideals, that was my personal upbringing. And that might not be the same as the person that I'm in a relationship with. And that's okay. As long as we connect at a base level for me personally, my partner has to have a relationship with God, but outside of that, we can figure everything else out. Yeah. The proximity where you grew up to Philadelphia, which is, you know, one of the music meccas of the planet. Uh, how much did that influence or not influence your musicianship? Tremendously. I think it absolutely influenced it. I think uh, location shapes what you view as good and what you view as great. My uh, threshold for great was Philly. It, it, it was a large task to try to even be mentioned in the same names as some of the legends that came out of Philadelphia. So it's like, they're really tall shoes to fill. It wasn't like, okay, I'm going to just try to do this thing and just put it out. It was like, well, no, people were coming to Sigma Sound in the 70s and, and recording classic albums. Like, And it's like, I have to at least have something that's going to have an imprint on this music industry. I just can't just make some noise. Did you go to Philly at all to sing or to do music 
you know, you were saying you didn't really release music or really think about putting out music until, you know, you were essentially 18 at the time, mm-hmm. you know, childhood, but you're still close to that Mecca. I would assume that you'd be, you know, were you ever performing in Philly so before you? The even- thing with me was I didn't, I wasn't the, 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 the hugest fan of my own voice. So I believe that I didn't have like the most confidence in my voice. I didn't, I honestly, still to this day, I sometimes right. doubt like if I sound good on, on records, not like, Oh, still to this day. I, I no, but honestly, I really don't know. Um, going back to the idea of, of even creating like the podcast for you, you do something out of, you love it and you don't know how people are going to react to it. Um, personally, I was like, Ugh, I don't, I don't sound like Michael Jackson. I don't sound like uh, Stevie Wonder, the people I'm listening to. So maybe that's not good. So what I was doing in Philly was working on the craft of, I always wanted to be an artist, but I figured the best way to do that was to be, to be an asset to an artist. So you become like immovable or, or uh, in their their situation um going firsthand i was like well what could i do i liked producing i thought it was cool but i I loved telling stories so when i was going to philly um it was with my sister shamika like like she is a blessing she's one of my ogs in philly that basically got a got a a glimpse of me in a studio and was like hey you have talent just come work with me i want to like help you write and to like just figure this out and her and I would uh, go to so many different sessions at my brother Brian's house in uh, Manny Young. Like I was back and forth taking my last couple Red Lobster checks, like the tips and going on the, the uh, I'm trying to remember. I know when I'm in Philly, it's the, uh, from Jersey to Philly, it was the 411 to get to the, to catch the 23 to get all the way to Germantown just to record. Like, so it would probably take me two or three hours figuring it out. But, uh, I'd go every single day I possibly could just back and forth from Jersey to Philly, trying to make it happen with Shamika working on records. And Shamika actually was one of the biggest reasons outside of my mom pushing me that we went to LA the first time. Um, she was like, Hey, we're killing it in Philly. There's not too many people that you can't really get to right now um, on the songwriter side. And I feel like we should, test our waters in, in, in LA. Like, let's go where the music industry is. Everybody's out there. And we went in 2017, uh, 2016 for the first time in February. I went out with Shamika on a Grammy weekend. And I was like, whoa, people live here? Like, wait a minute, all the stars are just here? This is nuts. Like, and not just the stars, but the producers and the writers and the, the engineers and like, everybody's just here. Like, They've been here the whole time. I thought they just lived in my TV. This is nuts. So um, I, that entire year, 2016, Shamika and I, would, <laughs> Shamika's hilarious. She stayed out in Cali when I left because she didn't tell me her plan. Her plan was, hey, we're going to, uh, to L.A., but I'm not coming back. <laughs> and I was just like, I didn't know you was not coming back. I, I got some stuff to do. <laughs> um, I went back home and I'd work for about a week or, or so at Red Lobster, save up my money and catch a flight right back to Cali. And for the entire 2016, I probably came to California all of 16 or 17 times. And after that, my mom was like, all right, because what I was doing was taking some of the rent money <laughs> that I would, <laughs> and I was using the, 
the son grace period of like, I'm your son. You're not going to kick me out. I'm your firstborn. You know I'm your favorite. Amber and Ashley, sorry, y'all. But Chichito, I'm the favorite. So, like, <laughs> uh, my mom basically goes, I'm tired of you taking my rent money and going to Cali. <laughs> Just go to California for a year. This is uh, 2017. She's like, go to Cali for a year. See what comes of it. And if nothing really happens, you got to come back home and we got to figure something out. And the blessing to have a parent that believes in you is such a, a asset that I don't take it for granted at all. Like you hear every everyone's story, not everyone, but you hear a lot of stories of, oh, so-and-so didn't believe in me and I had to do this because my parents didn't. My parents were the biggest Aunt Clemens, Anthony Clemens Jr. fans before I even knew what I wanted to do. They were just fans of all of us, me, my, my sister, and uh, my, my sister Amber and my sister Ashley. Amber's an amazing DJ. Ashley's a phenomenal makeup artist. I said, hate to plug them off. But, um, like, uh, after my mom That's had a conversation with me in 2017 about, like, yeah, like, go. I asked Shamika, who was already in L.A., I'm like, yo, how was it? She's like, I, I thought you was been moving out here. I, I, I tried to trick you to move out, but you just didn't get the trick. So I was like, all right, cool. Um, I moved to Cali on 420 2017 and super ironic it was just an amazing day like i was smoking weed a little bit before that but i don't know if we can talk about smoking weed or not but about what oh so no i mean obviously you have really good parents if they're supporting you in this and you know if if your two sisters are also able to be artists that that takes parents that are willing to encourage their kids to do something out of the box absolutely absolutely it's it's like it's odd because it's like i never in a million years thought it would be this way as far as like just the support system and my mom my biggest fan in the world um before anything has ever happened she's been my biggest fan so we move out to la oh my fault what you about to say you say like you know when you were saying you know you'd, you'd save up at red lobster it, there's this thing in where I think people forget. I know this wasn't that long ago for you either, but people often forget where they come from and they, and they don't realize that the person who might be working at Red Lobster in the middle of New Jersey might actually have the talent to be, you know, world-class talent. Yeah. I, I've seen some, you know, new writers where I've talked to their parents and been like, you're so used to that talent at home that you don't think of it as being world class just because it's your because it's at home and you're used to it right yeah. or it's like you're or you're at you know the the fact of that 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 waiter at red lobster has that talent you know when you come across somebody who's an uber driver is like i'm i'm a musician having been there not that recent you know not that long ago do you do you listen to all the music people play you? Do you view it as attainable? Hell no. For those people? Y'all can't. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm completely, completely joking. No, for me, for me, I go the extra mile to listen. Um, I'm the worst when it comes to DMs. Uh, like, so it's like DMing beats and like songs through the DMs is like the worst way to contact me. But meeting somebody in an Uber, 
I'm a regular person. I'm having a conversation with someone that has a dream, just like how I had a dream. And if they're kind enough to listen to my story, I know I don't like to like, you know, super sell everybody. Hey, I did this and you can do this. But if they're, they're open to listening, absolutely keep going. You never know what your talent is going to do. What I tell everybody that I meet, like, depends on, you know, the spaces. It, it, it's more um, keep running your race. Like, so if you're that Uber driver that's that's literally the songwriter or the musician, play your records in the car. When that person asks, who's that? Is right there. Like, for me, if I was, like, back in 2017 and I hadn't taken the leap to California yet and I was still just working at Red Lobster, I would absolutely be Uber driving. I'd be doing Postmates. I'd do anything I possibly could to just show people, one, I have a talent, but then to connect to people to see what the people need. Like, right, being an Uber driver, you know better than a politician, I believe, what the people need because you see the people every single day. Like, you talk to the people every day and you hear, you overhear conversations, you hear um, what makes somebody have a good day, what makes someone have a bad day, and you can be a, a person that implements that with your craft if you, you have the, the courage and the... Um, well, it's like the work. The work ethic. Yeah. If you in a car with somebody who you know is driving, however long, or doing whatever job, sixty hours a week, so that way they can record for the other forty hours of the yeah. week or whatever. You can't help but admire the fact that you know, especially on the come up, to, you have to do those kinds of hours yeah. in order to just stay afloat and be creative in your off time. Um, did you find that? You know, that, that work ethic, once you're able to quit the job, I imagine the amount of hours it took to get to and from the studio, you probably wrote a lot of lyrics and a lot of stories on the bus rides, know, the, the, the train rides, the, the walking. Um, when I first came to Cali, it was trying to figure it out. Um, I had met Chris Brown's engineer, one of my, my homies now, Pat Tizio. He's like one of the coldest engineers out he mixes everything and i had met him in new york uh and he was like yo i mix uh chris brown stuff um if you ever in la hit me up people say if you're ever in la hit me up all the time right and i didn't understand that until i got to la <laughs> not saying that tzio was one of the people that said yo just hit me up but i was making sure my, i was available to uh to go to that meeting or just even get up with him and it never happened in the time that i thought it would when we inevitably didn't get uh get up it was because we were at the exact same place at the exact same time it wasn't the i'm waiting for you i'm waiting for you i'm waiting for you or you're waiting for me you're waiting for me it was like god's timing of us being at the exact same place at the exact same time when we were supposed to and since we've been be we've been able to maintain and build a, re a relationship that's been phenomenal he hits me just like yo did you hear the mix on so-and-so yeah this is crazy like it, it's so so cool to think that back to when i was trying to figure it out i was uh taking the bus to a starbucks in north hollywood that had wi-fi because i didn't have any money to pay it was either pay for your phone bill or pay to come to cali and i would go out to cali with no phone service and i would just go to like a starbucks and that had wi-fi because i found all the different places that had free wi-fi and it's, you find the little tricks of the trade to get to the goal that you want. So I'd go to Starbucks for the Wi-Fi. I'd go to uh, Planet Fitness for the shower. 
you know, and I, I, I like finesse the system that was right here in, in front of me. Um, and that hustle was just kind of just to figure it out because I didn't want to have to call my mom and tell her, Hey, I don't have any money. Um, um, I don't have a clue as to what's going on. I had my relationship with God and I knew that I knew that what we were, what I was doing was bigger than the circumstance I was at. So I knew I was going to be uncomfortable, but something my mom always told me growing up was sometimes you have to be a little uncomfortable to get comfortable. So I was like, all right, I'm, and it's like, how much are you willing to, to, to take? Um, I was transferred to the Red Lobster out here in Cali, but they never picked me up. Like I went on a couple of training sessions, but they never made the, the initial, uh, uh, they never like essentially hired me. Like they, they took me on some training stuff. It was crazy. And basically they were like, you, you can work here if you buy these work shoes. It was $30. And the day I was going to go buy my work shoes, one of my friends had hit me and said, hey, I have a session. You trying to pull up? And it cost $30 in the Uber to get there in the right amount of time. I did not buy those work shoes. <laughs> I didn't look back. I was like, I came out to Cali to figure this out. And let's make this music. Spent my last 30 on the Uber at the time. And by the grace of God, after that session, she let me stay at her house. And um, not Shamika. This is my friend Tammy. Uh, Tammy had said, "Hey, I have a, I have a session. If you try and pull up, come by." She didn't know I was homeless, um, but she was just like, "Yeah, hey, come on, crash my house tonight." It was amazing. Uh, the very next day, my my bro Scott from uh, this group Triangle Park from Philly, one of the people I was working with Shamika with uh, when we were going back and forth to Philly, he says, "Yo, I'm in North Hollywood. Come on by the crib." I'm there. I get to his house. We worked on probably like 10 songs, like 10 or 11 songs. And he's losing his mind because like we did them very fast. We probably did them like three hours. But that's because we had a little workflow in Philly. But he's like, I forgot how fun it was working with you, bro. Like, (sighs) all right. And I didn't tell them that I didn't have a place to go. But I kind of just stayed at their house for like a week or so. They woke up on the last day like, what? Don't you got to get back to, I didn't have a get back to <laughs> that I had to get back to. And Scott talked to Ali and Dre, who were also living in the house, my brothers. And they all came together and were like, okay, you can live here rent free. You don't got to worry about anything. You don't have to pay a bill. Your collateral is just, you have to write a song of debt. What? Wait a minute. You mean to tell me I'm going to have a place to stay. And all I have to do is do what I'm already doing on my own. Like what I was already spending my red lobster dollars on doing multiple songs a day, but I have a place to stay. Even if it's a floor, I'll take it because it's rent free and I have nothing to worry about. And for the next few months or so, um, I probably moved in to Scott and Ali and Dre's house and around if I moved out here 420, Probably that very next month, the following month, I got my very first placement uh, with Luke James. It's a song called Drip. I had did it with uh, with uh, Ryan Toby, who just happened to be from Willingboro, New Jersey, where I was from. So it's like, and that was through Ali reconnecting me to Ryan Toby, saying Ryan Toby from uh, Sister Act Two, the the when Jesus was. He was in City High, and he's amazing. That's like my brother. 
He called me. He's like, yeah, you from Willowboro? Oh, it's over. Now, now, now we got to work. So I'm living at Ali's house. I had just got my very first placement. Um, and I'm like, this is it. I'm in the music industry. And uh, through Luke, I had met uh, Ro James and did a record on Ro James uh, project. And it was amazing. And it, it takes so long from when you get a placement to when you make money from that placement. Wait a minute. Like, <laughs> no one it's tells you that. No one tells yeah, you when you get in the door. All they preach to you before you get there is, you got to get a placement. You got to get a placement. You got to get a placement. Do you have any placements? Do you got to, like, so I was like, I got this magical placement thing. Now what? <laughs> and then it's like, now you got to wait. As a songwriter, now you got to wait at least nine months to see if it made any money. And that's like praying that the the label and everybody put money into it. And it's a it's a whole lot that goes into just one song. And if that one song dropped on a Friday where 2,000 songs dropped, it's like, what? what? It's, it's, it's an interesting space to be in. Um, but if you look at it the right way, uh, I think you could always feel like you're winning. If you look at it and you're like, well, no, I didn't make millions of dollars off of my first placement. But my first placement got me opportunities to get the next one. You'll always be winning. Like so, I, I, uh, I, I think most songwriters, even now, I still feel like every placement I get is a demo to get into the next absolutely. thing, or the next the hit I had at the last radio single, or whatever it is. Is that it's all just so you can get into the next room? Yes. It's never about this one, but it's different when you need the money. So what happens is when you come out here, they don't tell you is people will sign you because they don't because because you don't know and you don't have the money and they know that you need money. So just like everyone else in Cali, I came out and signed a bad deal. I signed mm-hmm. one of the worst deals that these people told me was a revolutionary deal and it was a publishing deal. Like <laughs> not just a publishing deal, like the old school publishing deal with a 10 song like recoup yes. and I, I was like okay cool coming into the music industry not knowing the music industry i'm like i got 10 songs from yesterday and they don't tell you that a 10 song in a publishing deal is not 10 physical songs it's 10 songs at 100 percent per song yeah <laughs> i had no clue what any of that was uh by the time i realized i was in a bad deal like i had about three placements under my belt and i'm like what is going on i've been gave them the 10 songs oh that's what i'm in wait no they told me i could it was awful um but by the grace of god i had met my manager who's my manager uh, today christian mccurdy uh who manages nisha charles like that's my sis the goat i loved y'all interview by the way <laughs> i loved it um and i had uh ran into my brother sterling uh, sterling sims at, at umpg that's my family. Like, that's really my boy. Um, no, he's he's just great. He's like, he's a great singer. He's a great singer. I'm a fan of Sterling, like the singer. Like, but I knew Sterling from Philly, the singer that was on the Jay-Z album. Like, I didn't know Sterling, the executive from behind the scenes. And he's making amazing power moves. So what happens is I meet uh, Sterling and I'm, I'm still thinking the... The, the, the thing that I was in, I was able to 
like still sign an actual publishing deal. Meaning Sterling, he told me, hey, they got you in this, but I believe in you. Christian, uh, your manager believes in you. We're going to figure this out. Don't worry. We'll get you out of this. Um, and I was like, huh, that happens? Wait a minute. So you can get into a, a deal and then a, a, if you, your talent level or if the people actually behind the scenes believe in you, they'll do whatever it takes to get you out of that thing. Wow, that's nuts. So through the power that 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 be, I feel like I'm skipping ahead, but. Um, I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. But that's not a thing, man. Yeah, that's not like a, I, don't, I didn't feel like that was a normal thing. I was, I felt like my entire story, even up until that point, none of it was normal. I never thought yeah, coming out to Cali and getting a house with a friend, like an invitation to stay at someone's house for a song a day, that's not normal. I was like, so I was like, maybe this is, I just don't know what normal is anymore. Um, so the, the, at that time I had, I hadn't had too much, too many things in this, uh, you know, in the music industry, they have this magical term called the pipeline. Like, and it's like, Oh, you have this, this, that, and third in the pipeline. So we can gauge what your, your estimated value is going to be. And then, yeah, I had nothing in the pipeline. Like, I just had a whole bunch of songs and demos that I'd been doing every single day, working, just trying to be the best me I possibly could. Um, the day I had met Sterling and had the meeting with him at uh, UNPG, I had met uh, Jeremiah. The days in California were just crazy. So it was like, through my brother Bongo, by the way, through my brother Ray Keys, who introduced me to Bongo, Bongo and I had met two days before my meeting with Sterling. And no, one day before my meeting with Sterling, it was the day before. And we had did 11 songs that night. And Bongo was like, I've never worked with nobody that's as fast as me making beats and writing songs. And I'm like, I never worked with nobody that's making beats as fast as I'm coming up with songs. I like Bongo. He's like, yeah, we got to do this. So I felt like I had my Timberland Missy moment where I'm like, I got a producer. That's my boy. Like, oh, we got to lock in. He's like, I got to introduce you to Jeremiah. I love Jeremiah. I can't wait to be Jeremiah. So he's like, yo, tomorrow come on by Jeremiah's house. At the meeting with Sterling, we get through the meeting. He's like, yo, I'm about to go to Jeremiah's house. You want to ride? <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. So I get to Jeremiah's house, and Jeremiah was one of the coolest people I ever met first time. He had, he had his meeting with Sterling, but he, had, he showed me where his studio was at in his house. Amazing house. 
and we were just in the studio. We did like four songs, and I was like, "Wow, I think I have four songs with Jeremiah in this Magic Pipeline now." <laughs> and through just working with my brother and Bongo and Jeremiah, we we literally hit it off. I mean, we just started working on records every single day. Um, and when I wasn't working with Jeremiah, Bongo and I were just going to every session we possibly could. This is 2000, the top of 2018. We're going to different sessions, trying to figure it out. I'm still in that bad deal, but I know that it's getting worked out through Christian and Sterling. And we just run it up. Kid Ink, Guaple, um, uh, uh, who else was just like in the earlier, uh, Bongo sessions? Um, uh, so many, this amazing artist named Jilly, um, Bongo has a phenomenal artist named Girlfriend that we were working with, and we were just crafting our sound together, like just working with different people. Uh, Game. Game was one of the first people that was like, hey, y'all are super dope. Come on through the studio. And I'm like, your game. Like, the game. Like, I, I what? I grew up listening to G-Unit and the documentary. And love, like, I love your music. I never thought I'd be in a room with you. And he was one of the coolest people, open arms, like, yo, come on through. And with game, it, I, what I realized was you meet one person, you can't unmeet anybody. That's number one. So then you you get into these different rooms and people are talking about you because of the type of person you are. Like, I'm smiling and just happy to be here all the time. And I'm bringing that happy to be here to a game session. And I don't care what we're doing. I'm just happy to be here working with somebody I've always wanted to work with. And he told me, uh, a couple times, bro, I really, really enjoy how refreshing your energy is. You know, just don't change. Just just be you. You you're really like you enjoy this. Like, yo, just keep keep doing you. Um through Bongo and oh, go ahead. Like like in an actual um in a practical way, when you're writing four songs in a night. Do you freestyle the whole thing? Is it just in your head before you start singing it? It depends. Who writes <laughs> one night? And how, like, how does any human do that <laughs> regularly without burning out after two nights of that in a row? I mean, it takes a lot of weed. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Honestly, it's, it's, I feel like it's just like the mechanics of being able to shoot a jump shot. Like, it's like if you know how to do it, you just, get to your free throw line and just get them reps up. Uh, I learned my way of writing a song, like through a lot of sleepless nights, partyless nights, like back in New Jersey, um, before I ever came out to California. And I never stopped. It's like still to this day, even though I'm in a hotel room in Atlanta, I have a session later and I had booked me a studio just so that I can get my own thoughts out. Uh, it's very therapeutic, therapeutic for me uh, to to write. So for ideas, sometimes I have a concept, but sometimes it's it may be from a conversation with an engineer right before I walk into a booth. It may be the phone call that I didn't get. It may be an Instagram post I see that inspires me to just just give my perspective on whatever the subject is, and I love it. So it's like. If I can do what I love all the time, like, why not? So if we're in a studio and it's more beats, you're going to have more songs. <laughs> if, you know, you know, if you were to tell Red Lobster you that you're going to have, you're going to have a, 
you know, this pl- this placement before the magical pipeline. You know, that's that's amazing. You know, like that, that's everything I I I hoped for because I think all of us just want those placements. Yeah. If you were to say then that your second year you're gonna have Kanye West featuring Ty Dolla Sign. I mean, let alone you know the other stuff, and you know, obviously you you know you had the game and YG and Jeremiah and Ty Dolla and that record you had on songs. These are like they're just of that year before you even get to the next year. You just jumped it up from I want a placement to I want to work with Hall of Famers. Um. You know, do you, what do you call it when uh um oh imposter syndrome? Yeah. Do you do you still do you feel like this is you in this world? Do you feel like nah that none of this is real? It's that's an amazing question. Like I feel like this is me, but it's sometimes where I, I get the imposter syndrome, and when I get that imposter syndrome, that's when it stops feeling real, um, and that's when I don't think I I, I perform my best. Um, with working with you know Jeremiah and Bongo, we had ended up giving a record. <laughs> we had did this song together that I didn't think too much about. It was called Pootie Tang, and I was like, "Cool." And Jeremiah kept calling me like, "Yo, yo, man, that Pootie Tang record, I like, I got to record it. Like, I just, man, I lo- we love that song, man. Like, we did, like, I just got to cut it. But you know, never thought too much of it. Um, he gets a call to go to Wyoming, and. I'm like, why are you still looking at me? <laughs> we were cracking up. And he's like, you know what? I'm out. I'll leave. He goes out to Wyoming. He's working. And I get a call randomly saying, yo, I need that Pootie Tang session. And I'm like, all right, okay, here. Like, sent it off to Jeremiah. And the next day, he's like, yo, yay is, yay is fucking with this. Like, and I'm like, there's no way in the world, bro, I'm still sleeping on this floor in North Hollywood. Nah. Okay, cool. Right? Cool. Uh, one week goes by. We heard nothing else for, about the song. I didn't know if it was cut. I, like, it was just, there was nothing else. Um, I had my last $10 at this point. I'm still in this bad deal, right? Well, <laughs> I had my last $10 on May 31st. May 31st, I signed, I was released from that deal. So the execution papers of the that bad uh, publishing deal. Once I talked to the OG, he was like that that uh, I had did the deal with. And he realized that it wasn't what he thought it was. He's like, "Oh, bro, no problem at all. This is like this isn't. I'm not here to to pigeonhole you or anything. If you're not happy, cool. We, that's and I I can't do anything else but super appreciate and thank him for just allowing me to just be be able to freely create. So I get completely out of my deal. On May 31st, Ross, <laughs> just to show you how great my God is, right? I'm down to my last $10, and I'm with one of my homegirls uh, who actually it was just one of my best friends at the time, like super amazing singer, Amal. Like, she's, she's phenomenal. She was actually the muse in all of my uh, Happy to Be Here videos. So the girl in the red dress, I spent, like, my last $10 on her on, like, a quesadilla. And she went home. She was going to Toronto. And I came back to the house. I just remember being super excited that I was able to sleep on the couch tonight. Because I'm like, yo, Dre's not here. So I can sleep on the couch. Bet. 
I had a session later that night with Bongo with Little John, like from the Eastside Boys. It was like super random, but I love Little John and he's one of the coolest people in the world. So I had a session at 12 o'clock with Little John. It's about nine o'clock and I'm like, man, I'm out of that deal. This is our first time I feel like I can breathe, but I'm also in the music industry. I feel like, let me just take a nap real quick before this session. And I wake up to like a hundred Instagram messages. Now at this time I have 4,000 like followers max. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like, is there in my homegirl Jazzy, super amazing, phenomenal songwriter. She wrote uh old town road, like uh super dope. Um, she t- comments me on the shave room post and she's like, that's it. Yo, congratulations. Aunt. And I'm like, wait, what happened? What are we talking? What are we congratulating? And I clicked the post and it's a video of Kanye and Wyoming dancing to get a genie at the bottom. And I lost my mind because I like I heard it and I was like, that's me. That's that's me on the song. Like, like, that's me. And I didn't know what. To, and I'm like, wait a minute. I'm on a song with Kanye West. And I called my mom and I just broke down in tears. I was, I was just so happy just to say, like, I made it. Like, uh, like, I feel like I have something and I was released out of the deal. So I was completely free. Like, it was so amazing. Um, I get a call from, from Jeremiah. And he's like, bro, congratulations, dog. Like, you did it, yo. I'm like, what? What happened? He's like, they like your version. I, I was trying to, you know, they like your version. You're welcome. I'm like, no way. You did not. Just, he's like, yeah, bro, we did this. It's you. They like you, and it's your time now. And I have a song with Kanye West and Ty Dolla Sign that was a me song with Jeremiah. That Jeremiah and I had just just wrote, just having fun. You know, it, it's God is so good, bro. So 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 good. You know, having everyone gets real serious in a studio because this song needs to be a hit and it's all really calculated for a lot of people. It isn't always just having fun. And that's why I like the game's right, where like having that refreshing personality in the room gives freedom to be something different. Also, when you're doing four songs in a night instead of one song, then it's like three of them can suck. Yeah. One of them is going to hit. You know, because it doesn't, you don't, you know, all four can suck, but if you're doing a week of that or you're doing four nights of that or whatever it is, then again, all of them can suck but one. In a whole year, all of them can suck but one. I took from our entire conversation since me making songs in 2009, you figure from 2009 to about 2018, there's nine years of so many songs that I've been blessed to be able to write and work on before I ever had my big break, my first record that was released. And just by the grace of God, it was with Kanye West on, and I, I was a featured artist. Like, that doesn't happen. Like, for me, when I was, like, trying to be an artist early on in Jersey, I was having trouble understanding how did Drake get to Little Wayne on his debut mixtape that everybody loved. Like, how is Wayne already on so far gone? I know Room for Improvement happened. I know Comeback Season happened. But how did this happen? 
how did J. Cole, how was he signed by the warm-up? Even though the warm-up was the one that everybody is, like, like that was his stamp before Friday Night Lights. How did Big Sean rap for Kanye in front of a radio station? Where is my Aunt Clemens moment that is going to, like, make me, and when I stopped chasing the moment, it happened for me. Like, when I stopped looking at life through what it was, well, for every one of those situations, they were all different. Uh, Drake was blessed to have been paired up with Jazz Prince in Houston. That was his travel. He was able to travel to from Toronto to the States to go to Houston and, and meet with somebody who knew Wayne. Like, uh, J. Cole traveled from Fairville to New York. I was like, I got to get out of New Jersey. I can't just, like, I can't get discovered here. I'm not, like, by the grace of God, like, like Big Sean rapped for uh, Kanye in Detroit, but that was Detroit, a major city. Kanye had to come through Detroit. Nobody has to come through until now. We weren't going to make it, but they didn't have to come through Willingboro, New Jersey. But Willingboro is the mecca of, at least in my life, the mecca of just so like soul great music. There's so many great talented people from Willingboro that I would love like to be a part of a story that has people coming through Willingboro to, 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 to figure out the mu- their music. Like Mike Zombie, who did Started From The Bottom, is from Willingboro. Ryan Toby, who I spoke of from City High, is from Willingboro. Like, it's, the list goes on. There's, there's so many amazing people from my, my small city. I just wish at that time that we had something that someone would, could come through and discover, if you will. But I was like, let's go to Cali. Let's figure it out. And my, my moment happened the moment I started trusting God and the moment that I literally just believed in myself. Like the, the record I had done with Jeremiah, the Pootie Tang song was just something fun that we both enjoyed and we weren't trying to make a hit. We weren't trying to, to do anything outside of have fun making a great record. And I think that that's, you, you have a, you have a lot of songs that end up on major albums and ones that get, you know, nominated None of those were the, all those from the same kind of sessions. Where did did Bad Idea, which gets nominated as a song, does you know when you start working with like G Easy, like some of those people, I feel like have a history of more kind of like a, a slower process than four songs in a night. But that's what I you thought know? also. But then you get into the studio with like a G Easy, for example, and we're knocking out four songs uh, a session it just depends on the pace of the artist and like you know what they want to absolutely what their ultimate goal is um but like the bad idea record came from just bongo calling me and saying yo i'm with corday right now and pull up and i'm like i have a lot of like i've been blessed i can't i don't want to i can't stress it enough that i've been blessed i can't i don't want this to seem like this is just normal that oh i can just call up yb and corday and say hey i'm on my way to your session like but I've, God put me in a position where that's a reality now. So, like, Bongo called me and said, hey, pull up. Corday's here. And I met Corday, and he's one of the coolest people ever. And he's like, yo, he said you sing. I want to hear what you do. And we did the the Bad Idea in the first five minutes. We actually did Bad Idea and um, uh, Gifted. The song that's out with him and Roddy Rich around the same time. I think it was, like, either the same day or, like, uh, a day or two apart from each other. And I never thought too much from that. It was just kind of like, yo, pull up, smoke some weed, have some fun. And all right, cool, peace. And then a few months later, it's like, hey, that song you did, remember? 
Nope. Yeah, well, what? Grammy nominated. <laughs> the um, Sunday service, you know, all the, all the, uh, th- that Kanye West album, you end up getting obviously closer involved with Kanye. And there's no way that that's just because of your talent. And I, my assumption again is that like the people who worked on that album are all strong Christians and that that had to be a, a big part of it because there's, there's such conviction in those songs. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't know Kanye, but explain what it's like, what it was like to work on that. You know, obviously there were a lot of random videos of it that you could watch, but this is a separate, this is unusual. You know, you're working pop music, you're working in R and B, you're working all of it. This was a curveball for a lot of people because, you know, usually that's gospels for that (laughs) stuff. There and pop is over and here, and then this, this. For me, and then like being a huge Kanye fan going into it, and if like if anybody's a Kanye fan, you know this has been ingrained in Kanye from the rip. His one of the, the biggest records that he came out with was Jesus Walks off a of college dropout. So it's like this. Is, it wasn't too far of a stretch for him to do something relating to God because I believe. Throughout every one of his projects, you could kind of find where he was speaking to his relationship with God, but he's wore that his whole career. Um, I looked at Ye and, and was like, man, it's brave of you to be a Christian and still walk in that world of the secular music and be so dominant in that world of, of R&B and, and, and the pop world that you don't care what people may think or, or say, and you're going to praise God at the highest level. I was like, it, it takes strength and courage to do that. Uh, and I just appreciate being a, around to see it. When we, when Ye initially called me down to Chicago, this is after Ye happened. This is after the Tiana Taylor album um, that I was super blessed to be a part of. And he called me and he's like, yo, I'm uh, working on Chance album in Chicago. Pull up. And <laughs> I was working with Chance and, and Kanye in September 2018. And we were all just trying to figure it out, working on amazing music and yay was like yo i want to do a project called yandi like i just want to i feel like we should just do like a a, like a 10 song project and just drop it next week and i was like of course let's go so started working with yay on that and what started out being something uh turned into what jesus is king ultimately was and i was blessed to be able to see the transformation of just idea of, of an impulse of like, oh, I just want to do something. But through that, I just want to do something, finding purpose in it and your purpose being that thing that guides you to the ultimate goal um, of what you actually want to do. Like, uh, Ye talks about it a lot. When he started Sunday service, that was just something he wanted to do. It wasn't really calculated. Honestly, being asked to be a part of it, I didn't know what we were doing for a long time. At first, it was just come through jam session. We just reworking some of the songs. Uh, but then it's like, well, we want to repurpose some of the songs and, and give a gospel tone to them. I'm down for that. I grew up in the church. Yes, I'm with that. Then it's week 15 of Sunday service and we're doing Coachella. 
and we're performing a song that I just wrote with Ye on Tuesday, on Sunday. Like, to work with Kanye West. Hey, when you're saying we're performing, you're on stage during Coachella? Yes. I performed with Kanye uh, at Coachella. We did the song Water. Uh, we premiered it at Coachella, but we uh, we got a chance to perform it like two years ago now, or was it? Yeah, two years ago now, and it was or a year ago. Now. How did being in front of eighty thousand people? It was having <sighs> question your own voice and being. Like, I don't know if I like my voice. To hearing your voice in that environment. I, I don't know that I can really imagine. It was that. a a lot of the journey for me has been super nerve wracking along the way. Uh, that's why I speak to my relationship with God a lot because He's my strength. So those times where I really feel human and I'm like I don't I don't have it. God is there for me. It's like now nah, we got it. In my head, I was not strong enough to walk out and be on the top of a mountain with Kanye West, Shake, uh, Tiana Taylor, Kid Cudi. Uh, Chance the Rapper and and like Ty Dolla Sign, like my brother. Like, I'm like, these are cemented artists. They've already done stuff. Like, they're all out. What's happening? And I, what I never want to do is question what God does for, for us. And I was like, well, in that same space, I'm also an artist to someone. Like, I'm an artist to me, but to someone else that, that's in Willingboro that's looking up, like, man... That guy that was working at Red Lobster that served me those biscuits is performing at Coachella. So I was like, I got to do this for somebody bigger than me right now. The fear of going out there and performing in front of the 50 or 60,000 people it was, it was, um, it was nerve wracking, but it was super fun because when I put the right perspective on it, one, I was going out there to give praise and worship to God. I'll do that in front of one person. I'll do that in front of a million people. So I've said that my entire life. And I felt like this was my moment for God to be like, you said you praise me anywhere. Praise. I was able to do it on the highest stage, like with some of the people I've always looked up to and felt super comfortable around. Um, And talk about not liking your voice. I just did a demo song on Tuesday at my house called water. Like I didn't, think that that demo record that I was just sending Yay that we had the conversation about and he's giving me the lyrics about a song and idea that he has, I never thought that that was going to turn into Sunday of the same week us performing that in front of all of these people. And it's like, I couldn't just buckle down and just say, oh, I'm just afraid. I was like, well, we got to go. Let's do this. And it was one of the best moments of my life. I had the most fun. I was performing a song with one of my favorite artists of all time. Like, God, like life doesn't get much better than that. No, it, it really doesn't. Um, you know, you get, I'm going to go a little out of order because this next thing was just, you know, working on, on the Lion King, Beyonce and Jay-Z and all the people, Childish Gambino, all these people on it and another Grammy nomination for that album and, yeah, you know, there's again. There's you then check off sort of the rest of the the sort of holy trini- trinity mm-hmm. as far as concerned. Yeah. maybe like, but Beyonce, Jay Z, Kanye. I don't know like who of living artists right now are bigger than those three. 
did it start to, you know, it starts to make you wonder what's next or what haven't you done once you knock off the biggest names in an, in a, in an entire industry? Um, you know, I guess I, I still have other songs I want to ask about, but where do you go from there? And, and is there a point when that happens when you start, like, you know, at this point, your sisters must be losing their minds. Your mom must be losing their minds. <laughs> all. It's, 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 a, it's amazing. Like, I'm still losing my, my mind. I'm literally in the middle of it. Um, to go from writing with Shamika in Philly to being in a session and asked to write uh, on a song with Beyonce is a dream come true. And it's nothing less than that. So for me, what helped me stay grounded was like, I've always wanted to do this. So this is one task, but it's like, I I have a whole list of things I've always wanted to do. So like be here, be in this moment, but the, to answer the what's next question, I, I don't always have the answer as to what's next. I have an idea as to what I want to do and I allow room for God to be God. So like, Hey God, I have, I really would like to do this. And it's, you give the space for the parameters of, well, what are you going to do for that thing that you want to do? I really want to be in a room with, with Kanye West. I'll do four songs a day, every single day on my side for him to allow the room for me to get into the room. Um, so after, but after, you know, the big artist for me, it was like, I would love to do a project on my own. I'd love to um, give my effort to the world and, and, and like just one cohesive project that is like, this is what I did. Cause I have so many songs that in the midst of writing a lot of the songs, I started losing the, the sight of what an Aunt Clemens personal song was. I hadn't written a song for me. It felt like in forever. I was writing a lot of songs for me about me in Jersey uh, coming into sessions. I learned the, the idea of the consumer, the idea of who are you speaking to when you're speaking. Um, just a few, like, even super dope songwriter tricks, like, you, me, us, and we, and conversations is positive. He, she, they, and them is negative. So if we're having a, a song, if we're writing a song and I'm talking about he or she or they or them is normally negative, as opposed to me mentioning you, I, uh, us, or we, and then even the psychology of, of the songs and people listening to it, I was like, man, started from the bottom. Now we here works because it's we. Everybody can sing that. If Drake says started from the bottom, now I'm here. There's a few people in Drake's lane that can say started from the bottom. Now I'm here. But we can all feel like we won and we're a part of that started from the bottom. Um, I just like that idea of inclusion as opposed to excluding people uh, like pushing certain people away uh, in the tenses. So like for me, I was like, you know what? Let me try as opposed to doing a whole bunch of just songs that anybody could cut. Let's dive deep and see what an Aunt Clemens song sounds like. Um, and I was working on a few records with my, my brothers, the roommates at the time and super dope producers. <laughs> they're, they're my boys. We did like four or five, just the first few sessions and, the first song we did was a song called Four Letter Word. And it was, it sounded very, very, very different for me, like as far as just something I was used to. But I went back to my roots of, well, if I'm a right for me, I'm a right to God. So Four Letter Word 
is me speaking. I haven't even told anybody this. Like, this is super fun. It's me speaking to the ideal of love, which is my relationship with God. Um, I felt like go back to that thing that you started doing and you'll, you'll, you'll always have that same, like, oh man, enjoyment of it. Like, I'm a huge kid. Like, I'm a, a real big kid. I collect Power Rangers. I got NSYNC dolls at my house. Like, I'm a collector of, like, like my childhood memories. I think it's, like, the, the coldest thing to be immersed around, submersed around just all your childhood memories because you'll be able to continually create from a childlike place. So, um... How did, how did you get Timbaland on that song? What happens is I'm in Miami, and I was working with Ye on... It was still Yandi at that time, if I'm not mistaken. So we, we were just working on Yandi, and he had he was working with Timberland. And I met Timberland in this purple room in Miami in this studio. And I'm like, this studio, I know I've heard the name of it before, but it's it's very familiar. I know I've, I haven't physically been here, but I feel like I've been here before. And um, it's Hit Factory in Miami. And it was the purple room that we were sitting in was the Dirt Off Your Shoulders room where Timberland played Jay-Z Dirt Off Your Shoulders on uh, Fade to Black. And I was like, yo, this is the Fade to Black room. Like, I called all my homies. I was like, look where I'm at. You see the purple? Like, it was amazing. Tim walks in and he's like, yo, you, you ain't not hear so much about. Yay, yay can't stop talking about you. I lose my mind anytime I meet anybody and they say, yay can't stop talking about you. <laughs> that, that's so cool to me. And Tim's like, yo, send me some songs. I want to hear some songs. I sent him probably about three or four songs and four-letter word was in it. And I remember leaving Miami a week later, being in Philly, just hanging out with, like, my cousin. My godbrother Stevie was actually taking me to the airport. And I get a text from Timberland with drums on four-letter word. I'm like, what is this? What is going on? Like... This is, he's like, yeah, bro, like, I, I couldn't help myself. This, I love this song. Like, this is it. I'm like, Crazy. wait a minute. This is, okay, cool. Um, fast forward, he he pulls up on Rants from 1500 or nothing at their Sound Academy in uh, California. And he plays them for a letter word. There's actually a clip of it on uh, Instagram. He played it for them. He's dancing and he put a clip up. And the clip got like 100,000 views. And I was like, wow, I have a song now? And he's like, he called me up. Yeah, it's your time, bro. Everybody love this song. It's your time, bro. Thank you, Timberland. Like, what? And for the next few months or so, uh, my team and I, Christian, we were trying to figure out, like, what exactly we were going to do to make sure that this song and the other collections of songs that we had been working on at that point was just the best body of work we could possibly do. And we just got to working on Happy to Be Here. We shot, if if the, the Timberland clip probably came out in February, by March I had all the videos shot um, for all the songs except for Aladdin. And uh, Aladdin uh, I didn't have a feature for. And it was like, I don't know who I'm going to get on this song. This is killing me. Like, I don't know how I'm going to figure this out. Um, but like I said, a lot of the times I have an idea and I allow God to give, I allow God to be God. So, so I knew that something was going to happen. I just didn't know what it was. And I was just rolling with the punches. And at that point, this is, uh, we had shot all the videos. 
um, with my super dope homies, Cole and Caleb, phenomenal, like, producers. Um, they shot Four Letter Word, Excited. We shot Beep. Um, uh, Lord, the name of this song is, like, escaping me. Um, not good for you. Promise? Best friends. Best. We didn't shoot a video to Pinky Promise, and I really feel like once I actually, like, get my life together, I'm going to go back and do that because a lot of people I talk to say that it's their favorite song. So it's like, for me as a super fan of Chris Brown, I would have loved it if he went back and did a video for Poppin', the, the, like, off of the Chris Brown album. Even though he's Chris Brown now, it's like, I would, I would love that. So I would love to give my fans, like, if there's Aunt Clemens fans out there, even, like, a thing or listening, like, I would love to give y'all, like, something cool to look forward to so a pinky promise video will absolutely be happening just i don't know when um but we did all we shot all those videos and i had at that point ty dollar sign is like my family like ty literally since the day i met him has been nothing but open arms and uh a guiding light like for me like really like a, a real mentor as to how to handle the pressures of being an artist and your regular life and what to do to, to maneuver yourself to get to the ultimate goal of the best artist that you want to possibly be. Uh, and I can't do anything but thank him just for being like super dope. And he, uh, he was like, bro, you know, I'll do whatever you want, bro. It's like, so what you want? I'm like, you trying to get on this song for my project? It's like, load it. And Ty, Ty and I knocked out excited in like 30 minutes and at this point, I'm losing my mind because I have a song with Timberland and a song with Ty Dolla Sign, and I have a collection of songs with some of my favorite producer homies that, like, I wouldn't even imagine having uh, records with. And it's funny you mentioned G Easy earlier. G Easy calls me and says, "This is around November of 2019." Um, he calls me. He's like, "Yo, bro, I'm getting ready to go to Miami and work with the Neptunes, and I need you down there." I was like, what? <laughs> He's like, yeah, bro, you know what we do? Come on, man. I need you down there with me. Like, like let's let, let's go. I was like, this is crazy. So I was in the Bahamas with Meek, like working with Meek on, a, on some stuff and left the Bahamas and came right to Miami. And this is, Jan this is December, January of last year, the top of this year. And worked with the Neptunes and G-Eazy. Like, day one, I'm at Pharrell, and I'm losing my mind because I had already worked with Chad, like, through sessions, thank God, earlier, a uh, year before that in L.A. So I already had a rapport with Chad, like, and I was just like, I'm cool with the homie. Everybody says don't talk. I'm special. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm joking. I'm completely joking. But, like, Chad is the best. Like, he really, really is the best. And he was one of the coolest people when I met him. And Pharrell was... Pharrell, like, it's, it's like, yo, this is really Pharrell Williams. And he walks in and he's like, hey, I'm P. I was like, what? No, you don't have to introduce you. You made happy. Like, what are you talking? Hi, I'm Ant. Nice to meet you, bro. But what? And it was even crazier because when he came in the room, he was listening to the, one of the records that G and I did. And he's like, yo, who's that singing the hook? G's like, yo, that's Ant. He was like, yeah, that, I like your voice. Came outside, and Pharrell hit me with one of those Pharrell bars, like like one of those like Jay Z conversation bars. Like I told him, um, 
he, uh, he's like, yo, man, I really, I really, really like your voice. And, you know, like I told you earlier, I was like, I'm a little self-confident by my voice. I was like, man, ain't nothing but all the tune. Like, this is all, all the tune, right? He's like, no, it's, it's your tone, not the tune. And I was like, yeah. for real, for real. <laughs> he said, yeah, man, it's, it's your tone. It isn't just the tune. You know, you have a, a very, very special tone. And I would love to have the, the, the opportunity to work with you if you have a few days after this, this G-Easy uh, sessions. Huh? For real? He's like, yeah, bro. Like, just if you can stay in Miami, I don't want to mess up your schedule or anything. There is no schedule for real. I'm here. Like, so for the next three weeks in January and February of this year, I was working with Pharrell and the Neptunes and we did everybody. We, we did, uh, Snow Allegra came through. We, we worked on amazing records with her. I love working with Snow. She's like one of the coolest, most confident, like singers and just dope people just to be around. And she's a Michael Jackson lover, just like me. So it's like we fan out about Michael Jackson stuff all the time. Um, we worked on Snow. We worked with uh, Cap G. We was working with um, with uh, SZA. And randomly, uh, I called up Ty Dolla Signers one day to the studio when we were in uh, the session with SZA. And we all we did the the hit different record like that uh, out there, and it was just. It was so many cool moments just happening out there with Pharrell. Uh, P goes, yo, you know that, that record you played me? Like, when you, I, I played him a few songs off the project. He's like, what's up? I'm trying to get on that. That song that I had played him was Aladdin. <laughs> and I couldn't believe it. I didn't even think it was real. And I was very, very self-confident. Not even self-confident. I was very, very, uh, I was afraid to ask him. Because we had the conversation and he said, yo, I will hop on this song. But I didn't want to ask him again and just keep, yo, what's up with that song? It took a conversation with my mom on Super Bowl Sunday, like, for me to have the courage to ask him, like, yo, do you think you'd be able to, uh, like, do, like, knock that verse out? Just because I had my manager talking to me, telling me, yo, we got a deadline. I know you really want to release your project in Black History Month. And the last day you could possibly send in this mix to get everything the way we need it will be Monday. And this is Sunday at this point. I'm in Miami and the Super Bowl was in Miami. So I was like, oh, this is, I, I didn't even connect any of the dots. I was just kind of like, today is a wild day, but I'm just going to go with the day. I knew I had to perform at Sunday service out here um, because they had brought Sunday service to Miami and I was super excited to like perform. And outside of the Sunday service, I had no real plans as to what was going on. So that morning after my, my pep talk with my mom, uh, I, I text P and say, yo, brother, one, thank you for allowing me into your space and, and working. Um, I'm actually in the mixing process of my project. And you think we'd be able to knock out the record, um, like, you know, anytime, whenever you're free. He's like, bro, tomorrow. We're going to load it up first thing tomorrow. I was like, huh? He's like, yeah, tomorrow. Don't like, don't even worry. And uh, where are you watching the Super Bowl? I thought he was saying, yo, let's go to the studio and we'll watch the Super Bowl. I'm like, oh, you know, just probably the hotel. You want to come? I'm still thinking he's saying to the studio or to my hotel. Um, well, not my hotel because I was already there. I was like, well, probably like somewhere, some, like a, a, a game party, like with a couple people and it's Pharrell. He sends me the address to his hotel. I get to his hotel. It's five black trucks lined up outside of the, the hotel. Pusha T's there. P's there. And his wife. And it's like, 
um, I'm losing my mind. And I'm like, hey, wh- where are we going? They're like, the Super Bowl. What? Actual Super Bowl. The real place. So we had a police escort with Pharrell and Pusha T to the Super Bowl this year in 2020. And I went to the Super Bowl with Pharrell. And the next day, without skipping a beat, without saying anything, I didn't even ask him. He, we walked into the studio. He was a man on a mission. He said, load up Aladdin. Whoa. And he knocked that verse out in 10 minutes. Like, he, he heard it a couple times. He walked outside, like, probably took a call or two. He is the GOAT. Not only just for, for being a man of, of his word, but just, like, the professionalism. Like, he knows his sound, and he just came in and just knocked it right out and was like, yo, bro, here, make sure everybody has what they need so that you can get that thing mixed because that got to go out. I can't do anything but be super appreciative of these legends and, and, and people like that that are just phenomenal people. Like, super huge thank you. Thank you to Pharrell for just being great, you know. Um, um, you know, it, obviously, the other, I could list a, a bunch of other people that are icons, Skrillex and Diplo. Like, it's not just hip-hop. It's, it's you know, it's Jason Derulo's other pop. But the, one of the, the last song I want to ask about... You know, you have all these other, a lot of these songs are um, cultural hits or they're Grammy nominated hits or they're hits within certain genres. But, you know, the My Oh My as for Camila Cabello's with, with the baby is a number one pop record. I'm pretty sure that's the number, you know, the one, the first number one Absolutely. pop record. It's a different experience than than a number one song on Billboard or uh, you know, you know all the other things. It's just a different thing. It's not better than. It's just different. Right. I, you know, how did it feel to have be part of that I, versus what, what you know, I was the other? To, um, honestly, every opportunity I look at as just like the greatest blessing ever. So being invited into a room to work with those amazing writers and producers on the Camilla project, like I couldn't believe I was in a room with Lou Bell. I'm like, this is nuts to me that I'm sitting here talking to Billy Walsh and kicking it with him. And like these people are here making the songs to the soundtracks to everyone's life right now. So uh, one, I just wanted to make sure that I took in everything I needed to in that moment. Um, I performed as much as I possibly could, but really in those rooms, I wanted to learn what it is about the way you approach records that uh, gets to pop as opposed to it being an R&B song or a, a, a urban record. Like, I just wanted to understand the format a little more. Like, I love NSYNC and Britney Spears and Backstreet Boys growing up, and it took becoming a songwriter to realize, no, you love Max Martin. Like you love, like you love that sound of pop. Um, so for me, with the Camilla sessions, it felt like I was right at home, just like able to do that thing that I've always loved to do anyway. And like we were talking about earlier, that stepping stone allowed me into uh, different rooms where I'm able to now create with like a pop space. And I love writing pop songs. Like my my next goal is to go to Nashville because I really 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 love country music and like 
I love the stories that country music tells. And like Ed Sharon is one of my favorite songwriters of all time. Ed, James Fauntley Roy, and John Bellion. So they make up the makeup of Ann Clemens and it, the like the songwriting DNA. Like when I try to approach records, I think about them constantly. Like how would they approach records? Oh, they wouldn't say this. Like because I feel like they are the uh, the epitome of great. Like amongst all of the other influences I have, uh, just the way they have with words. And I feel like in Nashville, they care about the words. And I want to just become the best songwriter I possibly can be. And I, that, I think in Nashville, just how I felt like in 2017, L.A. was where the music industry was. I feel like the songwriters are in Nashville. So I want to swim in the, in the pool with the sharks. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously Roddy Rich, Black, a bunch of these other artists that are massive, you know, I feel like the next up in my eyes is her. I just feel like she's... She is one of my favorite people in the world. That's just off the rip. So, so damn talented. Yes. It's shocking. But to be that um, talented and be that nice is the thing for me. Like Her personality is way better than any song she's ever done. And her music is legendary. Like Her personality, the way that she carries herself the way she cares about her craft and she cares about like the songs and the musicians around her like she's really really dope like i don't know if there's like a super effect or not um but if i'm not mistaken i think that she out of her own pocket during the quarantine paid like her whole staff like to make sure that everybody was cool like everybody out of her own but that's just the type of person that she is and i love to just you know be around genuine people, but like just people that are walking in what God wants them to do. And she is literally, if I had to pick in a, in a hat, I would always put my money on her. I, I love working with her. Um, if you ever need a 510 Jewish guy to join that session. I got your number now. It's over. <laughs> All right, so in this last segment, we'll call five for five. I'm going to list five things you can just tell me. First thing that comes out off the top of your head. Got it. Uh, let's start with Christian, your manager. The greatest in the world. Um, he hates me. <laughs> he's the person that, uh, no, he doesn't hate me, but he's, he's really the greatest in the world. Um, he answers my calls all the time. And if not every time, he calls me back in five seconds. Um He's a brother that I need when I didn't even know that I needed a brother at that time. He's truly, truly one of my best friends. Michael Jackson. The greatest of all time. Five, Dylon. The greatest of all time, the greatest of all time, the greatest of all time. Like, it's like just five, the greatest of all times. The, my biggest influence, he's, he's the reason why I want to be able to mix dancing and singing. Like that's my next feat is to to show the world I can dance because I can move a little bit, and um, just the epitome of great, the epitome of greatness. Willingboro forward slash Philly, with you know a sprinkle of Ryan, Toby, and Shamika and home. I, I I call it home. I I, I think at home I think of. Great people make great things happen, and great things always happen to great people. Uh, I think of 
Philly cheesesteaks. I think I think of Escobibles. Like I think of like Gatanos and 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 just like going to Mill Creek Park with my homies and playing basketball. Like it, it just feels like home. Let's go with Amber Ashley and your parents. Amber and Ashley. <laughs> no, Amber and Ashley are. <laughs> I love my sisters to death. I'll respond about our sisters, by the way. I so love there you go. my sisters. They're, they're the, the greatest and biggest blessing I feel like God's been able to, to do in my life to be able to be a big brother to two little sisters and show them like, the way that they can be like received from a man, I think is super dope to be a, a male figure in their lives is a responsibility that I take on very seriously. And I appreciate both of them. Both of them drive me to be a better me every single day. When I think about my parents, I love my mom and my dad like so much. I get so happy when I just think about both of my parents, my dad, we're big comic book fans. So we love like Superman and Spider-Man movies and, and just, we love to call up each other and just talk shit about stupid stuff. Like, yo, did you see? Like, I love my dad. My mom is an angel walking the earth. I'm so appreciative to have been blessed to have a mom that is understanding, that is um, that is sound, that is, like, my hero. Like, even in the middle of the divorce, like, when, like, life was, was, was turbulent, like, um, my mom, I had to change my perspective in the while I was going through it. But now at 29, I can say that my mom showed me what strength was because she went to find her true happiness. She realized she wasn't truly happy in her relationship and she had to go find her, her true happiness. Both of my parents are, are in two happy relationships and I love my step-parents. Like, I love my additional family. Early on, I, I didn't know how to process it because I was like... I want my family and my want. I want. I want. I. 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 And the more I grew up, the 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 quicker I realized it wasn't about me. The sooner I started to understand the beauty and everything. Um, although my parents might not be together, my dad being my dad to my stepbrothers is a blessing in itself. Like the they were able to grow up. And they were able to receive love that my dad was giving to us also. So he was able to then impart into a whole nother generation of family. My mom is able to love a husband like who may not have experienced that type of love before. And it was his last relationship. Like I look at, I'm, I'm, I believe I'm able to look at things through a different lens. And I'm very, very appreciative of every single thing that God does because without them getting divorced in 2009, we wouldn't be sitting here having this conversation today. I know that was super long-winded and that was like five, but that's my sisters and my parents. But my last thing, I feel like we have to say Jesus. Yes, Jesus Christ is my provider. Um, I, I could go on for hours about my love for God, but God is my best friend. Jesus Christ is the reason I'm able to have a relationship with God because of what he did on the cross for every one of us. Uh, he knew all of us. God knows every single one of us by name. Like, and when I truly understood that, I never felt alone again. Like, I never felt like there was no one out there for me because I knew that God has always been for me. He's been for everyone. Um, and through the love of Jesus Christ, the Bible talks about um, uh, 
I don't want to mess up the verse because like it's, it's it's killing me. But it's you've already won. Like the like the battle the battle happened. You've already won. So when you walk in into your spirit, you when you walk with the spirit of being a winner, you're going to attract winning. Like I don't walk into a room feeling like oh I might lose this or I'm afraid of because I know what God did for me was the ultimate sacrifice. So I'm not going to question what He's blessed me with by allowing me to be here i'm going to be the person that he wants me to be and i'm going to be the vessel that allows myself to be empty enough that i can hear god and then translate god in the best way that he wants me to do so jesus christ well i appreciate you doing this podcast i get the feeling we'll be doing this often over the next few years because is, uh, at this rate, we'll have to do this like every six months. To <laughs> well, look, just to give you a little before you leave, this is my this is my to you, right? Because I'm I'm not sure how long it's going to take for this to come out, but like I'm thinking by the time y'all are hearing this, this record will be out. It's the first single off of my next project. It's called Love, Sweat, and Tears. That's the name of the project, and the song is called Better Days, and it's uh, me featuring Justin Timberlake. What? Yes, sir. Damn, bro. God is so good. Like, went from having instinct dolls in my house to now I have a song with Justin Timberlake. And he signed my instinct doll, too. So weird, man. <laughs> what a weird. It's so crazy. I feel like Forrest Gump. Like, I truly feel like Forrest yeah. Gump. I mean, there's no question that I just want to be, you know, you, your personality is obviously infectious and, and, I see why everybody wants to spend more time with you. It's it's hard to want to spend less time with somebody who brings in that kind of joy into a room. Um, and, and, you know, we've said very early on in this and publicly in every way we can that, you know, you have no idea how good or bad that song's going to be that right. night. And, and none of that. Yeah. It's really like, did you have a good time? And that's all you can do, you know, and sometimes it's really, you know, you want to have a serious right. time. Sometimes you want to have a fun night, whatever it is, but all that can be fun. Yes. You know, and you you just are like pouring fun out of you. And and it's I it's just really enjoyable to have spent this time with you so far. And uh, you know, I'm just, I'm proud of you for whatever that's no, worth. No, that means as... the world, bro. Like, for real. Like, I'm, like I said at the beginning of the of this interview, like, I've been listening for a long time. Like, I'm a real fan. And I'm just happy to be able to have a story to tell. For real. I love it. There you go. <laughs> Crazy, man. And, like, you know, uh, yeah, one of these days we'll have to get in a room together Bro, and make music. I'm around, and, like, your homies with, like, Charlie, and I love Charlie. That's my boy. Like, uh, yeah. Blake. You go cool with Blake? Yeah, I mean, you know, Shaq, or Slacken. Yeah, Slacken, yeah. A little bit. I'm closer with Benny. Word. I haven't worked with Benny yet. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. I mean, he hasn't been in a lot of sessions right now because everything going on, but... um. And I can tell oh, you, yeah, since I mean, it's just me and you, I got some shit coming. <laughs> this is Ross. Um, you ain't heard from nobody, right? But I got an Ed Sheeran record. You have what? An Ed Sheeran I taught myself how to play guitar four years ago. And, like, 
the record um, was one of the first songs I taught myself how to play. Like I, when I was playing guitar, I was like, oh, I can write a song to this. And it's the song and we end up, he cut it. And Ed don't take records. like So I can't wait for it to come out. I pray that that's out very, very, very soon. God is good. Damn, man. <laughs> It's so incredible. Your your story is awesome. It's it's a it's really fun to watch. So everybody, you know, like we all have, we've done a hundred and something episodes, yeah. and everyone has their own story, and everyone's on their own journey, and everybody's going around the world doing whatever they do. Um, you know, and and when it comes down to it, it's like whatever makes you happy and content and all that stuff. But there's certain people who just end up with, you know, a, a even more unique story amongst a lot of unique stories. Yeah. This is what it is. It's I like, like the way you said that. That was really, really nice. Thank you. Like for, I, I'd like, for real. Yeah. It's just, it's, it, it's, it's fun to watch, but for real, we're definitely going to have to do this again in like a year after more songs. We should just make it a thing. We'll, we'll say it's like a, we should put it in our calendars. November 9th, 2020. It's already there. It's locked. <laughs> we just let you know that. Like for, really put it in the calendars and make it every November 9th for like the next 10 Forever. years. We'll do like it. And what we have to do yeah. is by the next one, we need to hit together. So like okay. this next one, we need a number one together. Let's do it. I'm working on Timberlake right now and I'm working on Bieber right now. So I need... I love it. Well... You know, if you need somebody uh, while you're there on Zoom, or if you're there in Atlanta, let me know. Yep. Uh, otherwise, it's going to be fucking fun. My dog. But you, you have my number, and let's chat soon. Same, man. family. Have um, a peace. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of And The Writer Is. If you want to hear music from this songwriter I just interviewed, be sure to check out our Spotify playlist or visit our website at andthewriteris.com. If you like what we're doing, please subscribe to us. You can also like us on Facebook and Twitter. And The Writer Is is produced by Joe London and published by Big Deal Music. A special thanks to David Silberstein from Mega House Music and Michael White. Until next time, this is Ross Golan. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.